last few months, the steady winter rain has settled deep into the soil. And now the green hue that replaced the brown the past couple of years is getting accents of purple, red, and white flowers. Have you guys seen it? Everything is in bloom, from oak trees to fruit trees. <laughs> Some of us know this through our allergies. <laughs> For a few weeks, my whole family was shut down with colds and coughs, and then it transitioned into the sneezes and sniffles and puffy eyes of allergies. Between work and illness, it had been a while since I'd done anything physical, like go on a run or go out for a bike. So the first day I could breathe through my nose again, uh, I went out for a run. It was one of those mornings when the fog was so thick that you can see it going by your window. Uh, but as I drove up to the trailhead by Inspiration Point, the sun broke through to reveal a cloudless sky above the fog. I was going on a run somewhere I hadn't been before, a trail called Seven Falls. I figured it would be fun to see the falls after all that rain we had. And where the trail started uh, to follow the stream, I ran up for a couple miles, and where, where I met the stream, I decided I would take off my shoes and shirt for the opportunity to jump into said falls. <laughs> uh, so I was hiking along barefoot, and there was tons of water just pouring down these falls into, into the little pools that are carved out in the rocks. It was beautiful, perfect, perfect time. Amazing. I, I was climbing up, like free climbing up between each one of these little pools. There's in the third pool in these rocks, there's a sycamore that, that grows right out of the, out of the pool. It's gorgeous, beautiful, beautiful time. And then I was, I, as I came back down, I slid down the rocks into the, each pool, each consecutive pool, until the last one where you could jump about 20 feet into this deep pool. It's amazing. Great time. And I decided, I w instead of following the trail out, I was going to just hike down the stream. Uh, and as I went down through the stream, I saw something I hadn't seen in years. It was light brown with flashes of brighter orange. If you're not paying attention, it might have looked like a leaf, but it was not. It was a newt. <laughs> the California newt, also called the orange-bellied newt, is about five to eight inches long. Uh, if you've never seen these small aquatic lizards, uh, you might remember them from the witches in Macbeth. Do you remember this? Double, double, toil and trouble, fire burn and cauldron bubble, eye of newt and toe of frog, wool of bat and tongue of dog. <laughs> the glands in the skin of uh, California newts secrete a potent neurotoxin, tetrodotoxin, which is hundreds of times more potent than cyanide. This is the same toxin found in pufferfish and harlequin frogs. It's strong enough to kill most vertebrates, but um, it's only dangerous if it's ingested. You can see how it was associated with witches and spells in antiquity. But I digress. There in that stream, it felt like God had shown me something secret. I reached down into the water and caught this little newt. Uh, just hours before, I was like bogged down with illness and chores and t 
tasks and problems, and now I was holding a living piece of magic. On my way up the canyon, I hadn't seen it. But going on the hike, getting outside, gave me vision. Eyes to see. Suddenly, I was able to see the beauty that was around me all the time. This morning, we have multiple accounts of restored vision. In one case, we have the story of a man born blind who Jesus helps see. In another, we have a prophet, a seer, who looks with new eyes, with eternal eyes, at the future of his nation through an unexpected leader. Behind it all, we have the guidance of Jesus directing us back to the source of all vision. So let's start with the man born blind. This most of chapter 9 from John's Gospel. This is a good old-fashioned miracle. It stops us in our tracks, or at least it should. If someone we know, particularly a child of ours, somebody blind from birth was suddenly able to see, it would be shocking. Have you ever had a friend who went through one of those changes for the best that you never thought possible. Maybe it was getting sober or falling in love, getting married. It often happens with the birth of a child. My brother's closest friend growing up was this guy, Ryan Eddy. Ryan was huge, like 6'3", 250 pounds plus. He was a linebacker, first at the public high school in Salinas and later at the University of Oregon, for whom he played in the Rose Bowl. Despite having articulate, educated parents, Ryan was known for being something of a meathead. (laughs) My brother's friends nicknamed him football. (laughs) Later, the discipline and dedication he brought to his football career Uh, translated into success in business. He got into commercial real estate, and he married a a thoughtful, beautiful social worker. A few years later, they had their first child. And when I saw Ryan a month or so after the birth, I asked him what it was like. He turned to me. This guy who beat me up as a child, (laughs) guy who chased my cat around the house with a squirt gun, the guy people nicknamed football, and he said, it was the most beautiful moment of my life. It changed everything. It changed how he saw other people. It changed how, what he thought mattered. It changed what he thought of God. That is the kind of power for transformation we see again and again in this Jesus story. It undermines our expectations. The virgin gets pregnant. The Messiah is born in a manger. The promise is killed and buried and is resurrected. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Today, in the heart of Lent, we have the blind who see and the able-bodied seers who are blind. The irony is so rich here, right? You've got the Pharisees, these religious zealots who cannot accept the miracle's divine origin. They go looking for excuses not to accept it and decide that Jesus is sinful because he healed on the Sabbath. If Jesus were a card-carrying messenger from God, 
he would have obeyed the rule not to work on the Sabbath. Compassionate folks, right? <laughs> Look, we could all use a bit more Sabbath in our lives. These days, we take work everywhere we go. A recent study showed, me, showed that, uh, that most people think they spend about an hour a day on their cell phones, but they really spend three. Three hours a day on our phones. Imagine what you would do with three extra hours. You go for a hike. You talk to your friends. You could even pray. Imagine what three hours of prayer would do to your life a day. But our vision is lost. Luckily, God's vision is very different from our own. From Samuel today, the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. In this passage, we get a glimpse into how God sees. God sees the king and the child, the vision in the darkness, life in death. The world looks to those who are disabled. People like Ray Charles or Stephen Hawking and sees their disabilities with no sense of their vision. It makes the downtrodden the butt of jokes. I can't tell you how many like Stevie Wonder and Ray Charles jokes I heard growing up. To say nothing of immigrant jokes and the like. In co- the, there's this rule in comedy that they say the best comedy always punches up. Instead of attacking the little guy or the oppressed or downtrodden, good comedy attacks people of power. <laughs> Some easy examples of this are maybe from Seinfeld, where with like Soup Nazi or, uh, or say George Steinbrenner. They, they, you're taking people that are in positions of power and playing with that. In this way, the best art, the, be it comedy, painting, literature, or music, works to level the playing field in order to see the invisible. Likewise, Jesus is constantly trying to show us people who have been discarded. Jesus looks at the world and searches out those who are in need of healing. In Luke 5, Jesus says, those who are well have no need of a physician. Often, I behave as if Jesus came to affirm those who are good and healthy and wear funny little plastic collars. Instead, Jesus looks for those who are in need of God most. Jesus looks for those who are blind. Some of the Pharisees said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say, We see, your sin remains. The word choice at the end is amazing. This Greek verb, meno, which means to remain or to abide. Meno is a refrain in John. Usually it's used as an invitation to remain or abide in Jesus, as in John 15, remain in me and I will remain in you. But here Jesus is saying that we often choose to abide in or remain in our self-righteousness in our knowledge, our perspective, our sin. Instead of seeking relationship with God, we constantly divide ourselves from our neighbors, those who are different. Notice in the passage how they said they were divided. 
We call this sectarianism. Ethicist and theologian Cecilia Clegg defines sectarianism as belonging gone bad. The Pharisees deny relationship. They refuse to admit that Jesus belongs, that Jesus is a follower of God. But Jesus is constantly inviting those who have been pushed out back into relationship with God. He seeks them out. He inverts our understanding of what it means to be in relationship with God. It's not about getting things right, being perfect and sinless. Rather, it's about being in relationship with God, which reveals our illness our blindness, and shows us a better way. It is the way of belonging and relationship, not something we acquire or possess. It's this relationship that is so timelessly depicted in our psalm for today, Psalm 23, a psalm attributed to the shepherd king only God could could see. The Lord is my shepherd. God restores my soul. You lead me beside still waters filled with newts. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not fear for you are with me. We can go through life thinking we know it all. That we can do it on our own or condemning those we don't understand and living in fear. But we will miss the relationship at the heart of the miracle of life. To get there, we have to be blind. We have to be dependent on God, the shepherd, to lead us. To lead us with deep love, like a parent for a newborn child. to dive deep into the pools of God's amazing grace and let that water open your eyes. Amen. Amen.